new airworthiness directives from the FAA as business aviation grapples with potential interference from upcoming 5G communications networks. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. On January 5th, 2022, the nation's largest wireless telecommunications providers will begin rollout of new 5G networks across the country. That comes following approval from the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, but despite concerns expressed by aviation stakeholders and others about potential interference from those signals on the safe operation of radar altimeters installed in many transport category aircraft and rotorcraft. As the bandwidth used by those radar altimeters, between 4.2 and 4.4 gigahertz, is close to the so-called C-band that enables faster wireless speeds on 5G networks compared to current technologies. Now, we'll get into the background of this issue a bit later in this podcast. What's most important to business aviation operators at this moment, however, are two recent FAA airworthiness directives issued December 7th, one for fixed-wing aircraft equipped with radar altimeters, the second for helicopters, that may severely curtail operations utilizing information from the aircraft's radar altimeter. Rich Bull, chair of the Airspace, Air Traffic, and Flight Technologies Working Group of the NBAA Access Committee, fills us in. The ADs basically address transport category aircraft operations prohibited in the presence of 5G C-band wireless interference as identified by the Otis Air missions. And the prohibitions are on ILS instrument approaches to category 1SA, SA-CAT-2, and CAT-3. These are all instrument approaches, procedures that require FAA authorization, either at Part 91 LOA or an MSPEC or an OPSPEC. The regular ILS approaches Category 1 that we fly routinely day in, day out, are not affected. The other approach operation that is affected is RNP authorization required approaches. These are RNF, RNP, AR approaches. The NOTAMs fall into three broad groups. One is an airspace modem in which the provisions of the AD will apply. A lot of the airspace modems are going to be more directed to helicopter operations. Then there will be airport modems, and these modems will basically prohibit the use of auto land, HUD to touchdown, and enhanced flight vision systems to touchdown. The Third HODM will be specific HODMs against instrument flight procedures by title. In other words, they will title out the ILS uh, uh, Runway 6 SA-CAT-1 and SA-CAT-2 Amendment 13 Alpha, the ILS Runway 6 CAT-2 and CAT-3 Approach Amendment 38 Alpha, the RNAV RNP Zulu Runway 6 Amendment 1, so forth and so on. So. The procedure by title will be NA, except for aircraft that have an alternate means of compliance. The FAA is allowing the manufacturers to look at the effects of 5G interference, C-band interference on their aircraft, and develop an altered means of compliance. If the manufacturer develops it and gets it approved by the FAA and publishes it, then the operators can apply the alternate means of uh, compliance and continue to use the instrument approaches. 
a lot of work on the altered means of compliance will have to come about as of knowledge gained regarding the effects of 5G C-band interference on radar altimeters and their effects on the aircraft itself. As Rich mentioned, not only are radar altimeters a staple on the flight decks of many aircraft, after all, the technology first saw use in military planes during World War II, but they're particularly important given the many functions on modern business aircraft that rely on radar altimeter data. Clay Barber is a principal engineer with Garmin International. There are a lot of systems that uh, make use of radar altimeter data, things like TAWS alerts that tell you whether you are approaching terrain and things like wind shear maneuvering requires the radar altimeter to be able to help the pilot stay away from terrain. Things like the uh, TCAS, two systems that provide alerting in case you are approaching an airplane. Those have uses for the radar altimeter system in keeping certain alerts from allowing you to descend too close to terrain. Then there are the auto lands systems that larger airplanes have that allow them to land in very low visibilities. Those have the capabilities. There's things like auto thrust systems that uh, make use of the radar altimeter, and even some things that you wouldn't think of, like cabin pressurization systems, wind up using the radar altimeter system. What are operators required to do in order to comply with these ADs, Clay? So operators are required to add to their flight manuals a prohibition of certain operations that will prohibit the operation from even being allowed if they have to rely on the radar altimeter. In the case of the helicopters, there's some uh, allowance that uh, they could use barometric minimums for certain approaches in, in lieu of radar altimeters. But in the case of the airplane prohibitions, it's pretty strict that they can't do certain approach operations that are to low minimums. They can't use things like their uh, heads-up displays for landing and takeoffs that require use of radar altimeters. And I guess I need to qualify that. It's only in places where the FAA issues those notices to air missions that specifically identify either the airspace or the aerodromes or the particular instrument approaches that are notammed as being uh, restricted. We'll have more on this situation in just a moment. But first, a message from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, the latest digital edition of your magazine is ready. Just visit nbaa.org insider and all the latest intel will be in your hands. We're back now with Rich Bull and Clay Barber and our discussion about the upcoming rollout of 5G telecommunications networks and their potential impact on business aviation operations. I'd also like to welcome now Andrew Roy, Director of Engineering Services for Aviation Spectrum Resources Incorporated. Now, Andy, it seems like a lot is happening very quickly right now in this situation, but the aviation industry's concerns about 5G interference are hardly new, right? The whole issue of of allocating spectrum in this band and and what it was and and how it built up started back in 2017 when FCC first started issuing out public notices saying we're thinking about something, we want some feedback and and trying to build that up. And and it's sort of, as you can imagine, to where we are these days, snowballed since then. 
And throughout that process, 5G is still fairly new comparative to, to some other cellular technologies. And we have been trying to identify and understand what exactly that means. Because when you're trying to assess this, you're trying to figure out, okay, at the aircraft altimeter receiver, what power are we actually receiving? Which you think, well, whatever's transmitted and, and then work it out. But it's that latter bit of working it out is very difficult. So where is the antenna pointed from the 5G? Is it down at the ground? Is it up? Uh, these new 5G antennas are, are very advanced and very clever. They also have an active steering component. So as well as having a mechanical, they're, they're permanently pointed in a certain direction. They can do, do what's called beam steering and steer the energy in certain directions electronically to make sure they get the best coverage possible. It's a very clever system. But it's very difficult for aviation then to say, well, where are you pointing the beam if it can dynamically change based on where you're seeing handsets and what's going on? And this sort of level of detail is what we've really been trying to get hold of to make an accurate decision. Clay, I understand that groups including RTCA and AVSI, the Aerospace Vehicle Systems Institute, conducted studies on the effects from 5G signals, and they found the potential for significant disruption to radar altimeter operations. How have 5G providers responded? The telecom industry has made several filings with the FCC that basically say that the RTCA report is overly conservative, that they have thoroughly debunked it, and many of their conclusions are based on misunderstandings of the content of the report. They don't understand, for example, things like radar altimeter loop loss how you compute that, how the signal bounces off the ground and comes back to the airplane. They don't understand other aspects of, you know, why why is this a problem? You guys have had other very strong systems in similar nearby neighborhoods and you haven't had problems. Why is it now a problem? Well, those other systems that they are claiming are very strong are not nearly as strong as the potential 5G signals that are in this 3.7 to 3.98 gigahertz band. There's just a lot of misunderstanding about how aviation does a safety assessment versus how the telecoms do an assessment that their network has enough signal strength and enough bandwidth and enough other things to give us not just voice communications, but also sending emails and downloading a, a video and things like that. It's just not the same type of assessment that needs to occur. And so we're still trying to get the point across that uh, the information that we need is to be able to make the assessment that is necessary. The whole issue we have got here is a fundamental problem between two different industries talking different languages. You know, the, the cellular industry are primarily looking at trying to provide coverage for commercial phone calls and so forth. If you lose cellular coverage, it's not ideal and, and you know for certain things it's it's a significant issue but it's not the level of aviation safety issues that we have you know with the integrity levels and so forth and that's really what we're trying to get to is not just saying well not give me generalizations here about what you're doing can you give me the specifics because we really need to understand that because we need to go and, and get certification from the FAA and so forth to fly to be able to actually do the things we need to do 
you can't make an air safety decision based on a generalization in a press release. So as we're talking now with the FAA rolling out these airworthiness directives out of an abundance of caution, what's the next step in this process, Andy? Are we waiting for the FCC or telecom providers to offer those specifics? I think there is a hope that they will come back to do that. And I, I think part of the reason why the FAA has, has looked at the, the things it has done and, and issued out the ADs that it has is partly because of the uncertainties we have here, not knowing how the 5G operators are going to operate properly. To give some context to that, the 5G operators are operating under what is called a flexible use licensee. And uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be 5G, ironically. It could be other systems and, and technology operating, but 5G is the dominant because that's that's one of the most popular technologies at the moment, as we've all seen from the advertisements on TV and so forth. But in working that, really needing to understand what happens, and I, I think... I'm second guessing it on the FAA's behalf, but limitations on, as I said, where antennas point is very critical. Uh, to give you an example, some of these 5G antennas, the very advanced ones, have a gain of about a thousand times the signal. They will amplify it in a very narrow beam in the direction of where they think the handsets uh, will get best coverage. If that is pointing down, that is significantly better for aviation. Obviously, if it's pointing up towards aircraft coming into land or helicopters or so forth, that is significantly worse. And I think having that data would actually help clarify for the FAA the ADs and what the systems are and, and how aviation should react to it because it might actually put some boundaries on it and potentially could reduce the scope of the ADs, just knowing it. But until you know about it, we really need to actually go for the worst case because what else is there? You, you can't, as I said earlier, make an air safety decision based purely on the, well, they say this, but we're not seeing any data. We'll, we'll just go off that. That's not how we operate, and, and we definitely shouldn't operate that way. One thing I would point out from the FAA's airworthiness directives is that the FAA said, even though we have this RTCA study, even though we've gotten information from uh, radar altimeter manufacturers and aircraft manufacturers and operators, we, the FAA, have determined that at this time, no information has been presented that shows radar altimeters are not susceptible to interference caused by these 5G emissions as, as they are permitted in the United States. So it's that kind of thing that there's this uncertainty that needs to get made certain enough. And uh, because of that uncertainty, the FAA has basically said, yep, here's these different things that you could do. What is in the airworthiness directive called an alternative means of compliance. You as a radar altimeter manufacturer could show us that you're not susceptible. Well, I, Garmin and Honeywell and Collins as radar altimeter manufacturers cannot do that at this point because we don't have the information that we could actually make that case successfully with the FAA. So that's, that's another reason that we need this information. Clay, I understand the Department of Defense also plans to conduct its own tests regarding 5G interference. Yes, the DOD has been in the process for several months now of planning for how they will do various kinds of testing. And that data will be subsequently used in, in a couple different ways. One, to validate that the bench testing that they do is appropriate and another to see whether there's any effect in flight. But they have a whole set of radar altimeters that are 
not the same as those used on commercial airplanes. They're specific to the various uh, DOD platforms that uh, airplanes and, and helicopters that they want to use them on. And they've got different requirements that they need to determine for themselves how the 5G signals will affect those other altimeters that were never tested as part of what RTCA and AVSI did. Rich, you've had several discussions with the FAA about this situation. What do business aviation operators affected by this issue need to be doing as we approach January 5th? Even though the FAA has the Neoworthiness Directive, they were quick to point out that there are other components and systems within the aircraft that could be affected. They don't rise necessarily to a level of unacceptable risk, but they do present a hazard and Operators need to look at their airplanes individually, see what systems could be affected, and think about the mitigations that they might want to take. I think it behooves pilots and operators to keep their hands on the control yoke or control stick and throttles anytime the aircraft's a thousand feet AGL or less and stay in tuned to what the airplane is doing and what these automated systems are doing and be prepared to take immediate manual control of the aircraft if the uh, situation warrants it. Over the next couple of months, pilots need to be mindful of what's going on, watch for information from their OEMs, and be ready to implement any mitigations that the OEMs recommend. In the interim, uh, until we know more, you know, just good silent piloting technique to be prepared to take over and manually fly the aircraft. Clay? My advice as a avionics manufacturer guy, not an operator himself, would be that you check with your airplane manufacturer and maybe find out what radar altimeter is on there, what systems actually make use of it. It may be that your particular uh, airplane isn't affected directly by the requirements of the airworthiness directive because you don't do those particular operations. However, there's still a possibility that other systems don't work as you would expect them to work. For example, autopilot or auto throttle, do those make use of the radar altimeters to do certain functions as you uh, proceed to a landing or as you take off? Are there other aspects, like we mentioned, the cabin pressurization system earlier? Does your airplane make use of the radar altimeter in that kind of function? Just various things that you as an operator should uh, be seeking more information on to determine the effect in your particular operations. Andrew, given ASRI's deep involvement in this issue as well, what are your thoughts as we look toward the rollout of 5G networks without resolution to the industry's interference concerns? It is frustrating, I think, that we've reached this point in the process about what's happening. The FCC started this process back in 2017, and from the get-go, aviation was saying, this needs to be looked at and confirmed. And ever since then, it has been continued to be with additional information from aviation, trying to say, yes, but we think this needs to be looked at still. And despite that, unfortunately, we're in this position where we are now, where we have very imminent deadlines from FAA, from 5G and so forth, literally around the corner at a time of year where everyone is uh, either busy or, or trying to not be busy. 
and we're having to try and figure out what's going to happen. And, and January, I expect, is going to be an even busier time for all of us as this thing starts to materialize and become a reality and the impact that's going to have on, on the entire aviation industry. Spectrum issues are not unusual. Every industry has them, and aviation has been involved with other spectrum issues as well. But none have really got to this level of uh, potentially chaos, I think, is what could happen. And it's disappointing that we're around that, despite this having been raised, as I said, from the get-go, that there seems to be an impression out there that this was only a last-minute thing from aviation and FAs jumping in you know, with days to go to, to mess things up for 5G. There has been information out there since the get-go, uh, let alone assessments and so forth. So I'm fortunate that we're in this position, I think, is, is an understatement. This situation will certainly continue to evolve throughout the new year. For the latest information about concerns over radar altimeter interference, visit nbaa.org 5G. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan.